How much do you know about the Scottish Baroncy? <laughs> and that's about it. <laughs> I don't actually know that much either, but there's a very interesting story, and we're actually getting ahead of the game here because the story is soon to be released as a television miniseries, which is oh, pretty wow. exciting. <laughs> But this is a story of a trans man who in the 60s went through a very public legal battle regarding the inheritance of estates within Scotland due to their gender. Interesting. Oh, that's very fascinating. I thought it was. And I think it is really such an interesting story, especially because this feels very recent that a lot of the controversy happened in the 60s. Yeah. Sir Ewan Forbes is the 11th baronet and runs an estate, or had run, has now passed away, an estate called Craigavere Castle. And I really apologize to any of our Scottish listeners because I'm probably <laughs> going to butcher a lot of these names today. Okay, I do just have to ask, no relation to, like, Forbes magazine or anything like that? Not that is said in the information that I have okay. on this gentleman. As with estate inheritance, there is a long line of inheritors, and his father, Edwin's father, took over the baroncy, and he grew up in high society, essentially, but knew very early on that he was not a female as assigned at birth. As a matter of fact, later on, he called the doctor's choice of putting female on the birth certificate a ghastly mistake, which I think is absolutely <laughs> charming as hell. That's just really good. Oh my gosh, it was a ghastly mistake. He, even though it was growing up in a fairly high society, got to get through most days wearing boys' clothes and playing with male cousins. And so he, within the day-to-day -day life within the Baroncy actually was pretty supported in his gender. Which that is, is very interesting. Go, like, Scotland, go. Go Scotland on that <laughs> for allowing your... There's a lot your, of room for Scotland right I now, but... I think I'm okay to say that in this context, and in most contexts, I don't have any beef with you, Scotland, except for the transphobia that kind of comes from the whole UK. Shit, did I get that wrong? Is Scotland in the UK? Yes. Ireland, Scotland. It. Yeah, Northern okay. Ireland, Scotland. Yep, Wales. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. I just needed to make sure because I was like, fuck, did I, am I messing that up? No. I know my European geography a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So go Scotland with this particular situation here. Very interesting, especially when compared to the British monarchy, where I don't know if I've ever seen any AFAB person dress outside of a skirt in the last however long I've known the royal family has existed. Right. That was a bad way of putting it, but... <laughs> <laughs> it's a point that is well made here. He had the opportunity to present mail, but because of those upper-class societal-slash-monarchy-based routines, there was certainly an expectation. So they say that the last time that he ever wore a dress publicly was to escort his mother to a royal garden party in 1935, and that was shortly after the his father had passed away and the barony had been passed to his older brother. So this is where things get interesting. So he had the opportunity to travel and study abroad. And during that time, his mom was actually really supportive in early hormone therapy. And so actually went to Germany for hormone replacement therapy in uh, the late 1930s. And which also, if you, didn't, if you didn't know about this, 
listeners, go listen back to a couple of episodes ago where we did talk about early hormone therapy and its prevalence in Germany, especially. Now, if you look at this time frame, this is just prior yeah. to Nazi takeover. The sweet spot for the sweet spot between medical science Germany for transgender people. being okay about trans people and Nazis burning everything they could find about trans people to the ground. So after studying abroad, getting a doctorate and becoming a general practitioner, becoming the medical officer in Scotland for German prisoners of war that were being held, and in general, just creating this really amazing practice for themselves. Their older brother passed away, and the baroncy was then available to be inherited. And prior to this... So, so Sir Awan did a whole bunch of humanitarian work in... Yep. That's amazing. Was a super cool doctor and traveled and learned <laughs> and funded it themselves because their dad said, you should come and work for the estate so there's no reason for you to study medicine. And he said, screw yeah. that, and went off and made his own money. And That is amazing. I love that so much. Just so cool. Then in 1952, decided to request a warrant of birth re-registration from the sheriff of Aberdeen, which is the process you needed to take at that time. And in order to do that, and this is pretty common for name changes now, too, you have to publish somewhere in a public journal. This is becoming less common, but it's still a thing. The simple phrase in the press and journal in 1952 just said, Dr. E. Forbes Semphill henceforth wishes to be known as Dr. E. Forbes Semphill. And that's it. And I think that is pretty rad. That, Keep it simple. I wish my name change process were that simple. Good Lord. <laughs> I don't know if you remember this, Cam. This was a couple of years ago now, but it took hours of work yes. and like hundreds and hundreds of dollars for me to change my name. Plus then, I'm sure you do remember this, I had to have you and one of my friends come to court to testify with me yep. in the middle of the pandemic. <laughs> Thank goodness you had a really great judge in that. I had a fantastic judge. Oh, so the, I, yeah, fantastic. Sorry, continue. No, that's okay. So the last piece of this and just the controversy piece is I think the part that this gentleman led a really interesting life. But after their gender had been established was when inheritance was being considered. And barony can be inherited by someone who's male or female in Scotland. But because of the way that this baroncy was structured, the bulk of the land would go to the first male heir. Interesting. So as far as the family was concerned, generally the immediate family, and as far as the court was concerned, Sir Ewan would be the person who would inherit this estate. However, his cousin John decided to fight this in court because he otherwise would be the next male heir. And so... Oh, that's bullshit. Oh, I hate this that. This went to court in 1965 and was major news at the time because there were all of these interesting things at play. The idea that someone had changed their gender, decided to re-register in their birth gender. Yeah. And then not because they were interested in inheriting this land because this is a person that was not at all interested in the markings of high society but there were obviously perks and things that part of that inheritance that sir ewan was interested in taking on and ended up living the rest of their lives as the caretaker rural caretaker and loving that life and oh, feeling amazing. really fulfilled by that so here's what the judge said and just a quick trigger warning there will be a word here that i know can be unsuitable to other folks but this is 1965 the judge was ruling in order to determine whether or not inheritance could be passed says, as a matter of probability, the second petitioner, which was Sir Ewan, is a hermaphrodite. Ooh. That was the legal determination that was made. The 
part that works for that is that because of that, whatever gender considerations were being made legally were not didn't matter in this case. That as far as the court was concerned, whatever gender they were presenting as and were legally assigned to at the time of the inheritance is the gender that would be inherited. And therefore, Sir Ewan was able to inherit the estate. Interestingly, after Sir Ewan passed away in 1991, Guess who took over the estate? But cousin John, oh, God. <laughs> the person who sued him in the first place. So anyway, all that to say, what an interesting fellow. I'm looking forward to this miniseries coming out. And I guess a book was released last year called The Hidden Case of Ewan Forbes, An Unwritten History of the Trans Experience. I will be picking that book up and learning a bit more. Very interesting. Thank you so much for sharing that. And please, if you've got fascinating stories like that as well, send them our way. We would love to research and talk about them on our podcast. Hi, I'm Anna, a transgender person. And I'm Cam, your dad. And this is The Transgender, a podcast chronicling my transition. And a cisgender man learning how to support it. Welcome to season two, everyone. Season two! Can you believe we've been doing this for over a year, Cam? It has been insane to see our growth in that. It's been a crazy journey, and I've said it a million times, but it's the community that has supported us in the last year that really is soul-filling for me. So thank you all for being listeners and being part of our world and our family. It makes me emotional just thinking about every single time, because y'all are really cool. Thinking back just a couple of weeks ago to our live stream, like, we that was a tradition that Cam and I have had for years and years now, and we wanted to share it with all of you because we do see you as part of our family, as part of our experience, because you are so influential and so supported by us, and you support us in return. So thank you all so much. We are so excited to have you back for season two. Really exciting. And so we thought it would be a great idea to start out season two. If this is your first episode that you're listening to, welcome. Welcome. (laughs) We don't always start with historical stories. Sometimes it's jokes and sometimes it's interesting WikiHow articles, but (laughs) we always do the same structure, which is we have an opening of something interesting and then we have an opening topic that is something that we don't feel like is going to take a large chunk of the episode, but is interesting. And then a main topic. And for today, we really just wanted to talk about what is this podcast and catch you up to speed if this is the first time you're listening or if you just need a little refresher on what we've been doing for the last year. (laughs) So our first question that we really want to answer is, who the hell are we? And I would just like to say, two random idiots who started a podcast online. (laughs) That's, yes. (laughs) Hi, that's us. Hi, that's us. But I think we've evolved from that starting point. I think that really what we are now are two people who really want to talk about and advocate for trans rights. I'm Anna Raven as well. So Anna is a part of a system that has DID and the system is called Raven. So we've talked a little bit about that. I highly recommend that if you have any questions about that, please go and do your own research onto it and we'll talk about it more in later episodes. But I just wanted to let you all know that like, Sometimes it won't be Anna who's doing the podcast, and that's totally okay as well. You can sometimes hear the difference, too, which you can. I'm getting better about (laughs) that, our communication and knowing those different personalities, which have been there. Just we're better recognizing how to bring them into the fore. 
and respect each of those individual personalities. Exactly. I will just I'll continue talking about myself a little bit here since I started off. And so I'm transgender. I came out. Oh, God. It was in 2020. Yeah, it was in 2020 when I started my social transition. I came out to Cam, who is my father, when I was like 12, 11. <laughs> yeah. So probably around 2010s time. Yeah. Since then, I have been able and privileged to experience my transition, socially transition, change my name, change my birth certificate. And now, very recently, I was able to have gender affirming surgery. So I am blessed. Which and she is still recovering from I'm as she records recovering. here. She's she's horizontal recording, which is not our normal <laughs> way to do this. But yeah, if my audio quality is a little bit off for a couple of episodes here, just know that I'm not in my record my normal recording studio. I'm still recovering, but I am recovering very well. Thank you all for your love and support as I go through this. And Cam, tell me who are you and why did we start this podcast? Yeah. <laughs> I'm your dad. <laughs> and the interesting thing about this journey has been you prepared me for the things that I needed to know to be the most supportive of you I could be at the beginning of this journey. And what a year has given me is this exceptional <laughs> amount of knowledge. And so thank you all for inviting me into your spaces. That's been one of the crazy things for me. So here I am, a cisgender man, a, a, a white male, somebody who has had a lot of privilege in my life and a, also a lot of hardship, too, that Anna and I have faced together. I guess it'd be important for you to know that Anna and I have a unique relationship and it sort of po yes. brought this about. <laughs> it's that we not only have this father-daughter relationship, but we have just been best friends our whole life together. We grew up together as really young yeah. when Anna was born, and we literally came to be who we were together, which is a really fun journey. And it's made this exceptionally awesome because it's something that we could do together and we enjoy. But what's been really cool then is that then a whole nother community of people around that have said, <laughs> hey, hey you're not one of the bad ones, <laughs> cisgender white man. And maybe you might actually give up some of your privilege and influence to support a community that is honestly, it continues to be under attack internationally, but in our own nation that I just cannot believe the amount of vitriol that continues to exist. So what the last year has given me is the opportunity to meet all of you and put faces to the idea of what gender spectrum and exploration looks like. It's gotten me questioning, I came out, as panromantic and then pansexual on this podcast because it's not just about the trans experience it's about our experiences those are queer ones <laughs> too that's been a really fun part of this too is we've both been able to share a lot about ourselves and the inner workings of our lives thank you for that thank you all and thank you cam for coming on this journey with me and being my best friend through all of this Absolutely. So I just wanted to quickly come in here and say in season two, we are planning on still tackling trans topics. But as Cam mentioned, we are also planning on tackling queer topics in general a little bit more thoroughly than we did in season one. So if you see a little bit of that as well, know that is exactly what we're trying to do and share it with your queer friends too. There's a lot of transphobia in the queer community as a whole. Let's maybe curbside a little bit of that. Absolutely. So... I want to share how the podcast got started. Yeah, please. In my viewpoint, that I want to hear yours. I, if I remember correctly, it was around 2017, 2018, Cam got really obsessed with the McElroy brothers. Yes. Fantastic podcasters, amazing content creators. And he came to me and he was like, Anna, I've been listening to this D&D podcast I think you might like. And I was like, okay, sure. So I started listening to it and I got obsessed. I listened to the whole thing. So I've listened to it 
probably at least 10 times. Yeah, we both have been through the entire, <laughs> and it is not a small thing. We're talking like 100 hours of content there. Yes, I've listened to the entire D&D podcast and role-playing podcast realm multiple times now, and Cam got really obsessed with their other podcast called My Brother and Me. Fantastic podcast overall. And when 2020 rolled around, I was still living at home after doing a summer working in historic preservation and like camping, living the 19, 18 year old that I was life. And we were like, oh, I was gone for a large summer and it really weighed on both of us. Yeah, we need to figure out a way to stay in contact and stay connected while we are apart from each other because you're probably going to move out at some point and i was like i very much hope i move out at some point (laughs) 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 so we thought of a podcast because we like to listen to them and it started off as a let's record just random shit you know let's just find something that we want to talk about and talk about it and you will never hear that episode it was It was, it was yeah. barely an episode. Our trial run. But what we learned from it is that we need a topic and something that we're really passionate about. Like we said, I was just coming out and starting my tran- my social transition at that point. And we were like, what if we talk about honest transition as we go along with this? And that's what we started off with. And we didn't expect anybody to listen to it. We just wanted to talk and share. And since then, we have been able to have some incredible experiences. And I still, I it's still incredible to me to just think like, when we started this off, I expected maybe three people to listen to it, and those three people were the like three people that we screened this podcast by. <laughs> so it's I words do not express how incredibly grateful I am to have all of you here listening to us. And honestly, the podcast just started because we didn't want to be alone. We didn't want to yeah. not see each other. I you told the story exactly <laughs> as I tell it to. I'm glad we're giving some credit to the McElroys. They also wrote a book. I highly recommend it if you want to get into this. It's called Everybody Has a Podcast Except You. And it told us some of the things we needed to hear on the forefront, which was nobody's <laughs> going to listen to your podcast. Don't expect to make any money off of it. Your idea is stupid and 3,000 other people have done it. But if you want to do it and this is a creative outlet that you're interested in or you have other motivations, then here's how to do it. And it's really fulfilling. And that's exactly what we needed to hear. Obviously, we did not think that we were going to go into this to make money and we still don't <laughs> but <No>. we <laughs> we did go into this thinking this we want to make this work and we want to be able to do something that we can produce week after week and it really it was just through those first few episodes where we started to figure out hey there's a formula here that people actually want to listen to and so thank you for that Thank you for listening. It's incredible. Like we get messages all the time from people all over the world. And the fact that you all are like, I listen to this podcast. It's pretty cool. I want to send them a message. Like that means so much to us. And that yeah. shows the engagement level of our community and the need that the community has for projects like ours of just talking openly and honestly about the nitty-gritty of what being trans, what being queer, what being alive means. So we've had some really incredible moments this last year, and I want to say every single episode has been a blast, and <laughs> every single guest has blown us out of the water. Oh my gosh. It's so funny. We get all fangirly and excited, <laughs> and no matter who it is that comes onto our podcast, because we're just so yeah. thrilled that anybody would want to give up their evening <laughs> to sit and talk to us about <laughs> and bullshit. But I've got to say, one of my very favorite moments and something that really put us on the map was Aiden Dowling's team reaching yeah. out. If you're not familiar, Aiden Dowling is a well-known trans activist, first trans man to be featured on the cover of Men's Health magazine, and then was on the Ellen DeGeneres show, and is a really 
key spokesperson, especially for trans men in this sphere. And we had only been, I don't know, we'd probably been we six months on, into producing yeah. episodes and this team reached out and was like, hey, we're starting a new app. We'd love to have Aiden on the show. And we're like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> it was one of the most incredible interviews I it have ever huge. done and I think will ever do in my life. Aiden is an amazing human, very open about his experience and transition. And his app is really cool. If you go check it out, it's called Trace. It's on the app stores. Incredible. Aiden and his team were fantastic to work with. And I cannot believe that we got the first trans men on Men's Health magazine to be on our podcast. Like you said, it was it had to have been at least six months, but it could, yeah. it was we were very new still. <laughs> it was just a huge shock for us, and certainly expanded our audience. And I really, I'm just grateful. I'm grateful that that happened. It was serendipitous. I also think about Trans Joy Fest as a big highlight for us. Trans our Joy first Fest and was only so much fun. <laughs> live show <laughs> so far, and. You have really gotten tied into that community yeah. a lot because of those relationships that we've built from that. Yeah, so Trans Joy Fest is a local thing that we put on in Duluth, Minnesota, where we're based. It's run by Trans Northland, which is a trans activist kind of group and business nonprofit that is sprouting up from the ground up in Duluth here to really try and support us locally and all over the Northland, which we call all of northern Minnesota. And Sean Hayes, who we've had on the podcast as a guest, loves what we do. And he has been a friend of Cam for many years now. And he was one of the first people who Cam directed me towards as, hey, this is a trans person I know. Maybe you'd like to get to know him a little bit. And he invited Probably us Probably the only trans person I knew. So yeah. <laughs> that was a little, you're trans, here's another trans person that I know. <laughs> <laughs> but I knew also a really engaged person in our community, somebody who's been in the social services sector forever and just a really great resource. A really good human. I actually have now joined the Trans Northland Board of Directors and I'm helping plan events like Trans Joy Fest. So keep an eye out for that information coming out soon on when the next one will be and what it's going to include. But I that event was so much fun. We were out by Lake Superior. We were on we were right downtown it was oh it was amazing it was really fun got to talk to other trans people and really say hey this is who we are this is what we do please support us we want to make sure that we really are supporting where we come from and i think we have i think so too and then the crux of this podcast has been your journey and i think the timeline of you starting the process <laughs> of doing gender affirming surgery is lined up with the podcast for this last year. It really has. So I reached out to start my medical transition very early after I started my social transition just because I knew it would take a while to get the ball rolling. And I am lucky enough to now in 2023, three years after I started that process, have completed and am recovering from gender-affirming surgery. Bottom surgery, as it's often known as well, vaginoplasty specifically. And it is incredible, the timeline that I had. I We started the podcast, I was like, I don't expect this to happen for another couple of years. And then I got news that, oh, hey, there's an opening that might be coming up sometime. Like, it might be this year, it might be next year. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. And then randomly and i believe it was june i got a call and they were like hey we want to get you scheduled for a consultation to have an appointment ready to go in july august so i went down and they scheduled me for surgery in november of 2022 which is insane yeah that was crazy 
and I was able to get everything situated, thankfully, with a lot of support from our community and a lot of support from people around me to go down and have this surgery, this like life-saving critical surgery, like this last year. And I still can't wrap my head around it. I still can't wrap my head around the fact that like the community and the people around me are really what made that happen and supported me. So thank you all. Truly. So, so continuing on the theme, oh, of I, I don't know why I always feel like I have to do the transitions. I, know, but I don't know why either. I just do. <laughs> With our podcast being having been going on for a year, and we always ask for your questions. Which, by the way, questions send them to questions at transgenderpod.com. Also, you can click the chat with us button. There are so many ways to connect with us. Send us your questions. Send us your euphorias. Send us stories that you want us to tell. All things like that are totally acceptable. Please. But we really wanted to distill down in this episode of like reintroducing ourselves, introducing what we do, and talking about season two. What are some of the most frequently asked questions we receive? Yeah. And a lot of them are really good. They're great and they're important. And I think because we've done often like whole episode chunks on a lot of these topics, I don't think we're going to drill too far into them. I, we just want to give you the basic breakdown and know that a you can listen back to our back catalog for some of these answers and b there is our things we're going to continue to talk about week after week because they're all super important i think i'll ask you the questions and get you rolling and then add my little two cents as we go (laughs) perfect how do i deal with being a young trans person there are a lot of how young is young when we're talking about this i think that the majority of the people who send us this question are middle schoolers like early high schoolers and being a young trans person is probably one of the hardest things of your life (laughs) being a trans person being young is challenging so how do i deal with being a young trans person is a very common question that we get asked and i think the best way to talk about it is it's going to be hard and there's really no right answers really it is just what makes you feel comfortable What makes you feel euphoric? And how are you going to make sure that you are safe and capable in all of this? As trans people, we have a lot of barriers in our lives. And being young is another barrier that kind of really inhibits it. You can't start hormone therapy until you're at least 16. And that is very hard to do. You can't get surgery without a parent's consent until you're 18. Now, you could do puberty blockers as young as 12, though, right? Yes, I believe it's 12 or 13, depending on where you're at. Most of the time, you are able to start puberty blockers with parental with parental consent and it is very hard to talk about being a young trans person without talking about parents and guardians yeah but that's another question so maintaining on the how do i deal with being a young trans person do what makes you feel comfortable and what is safe for you what you feel safe is safe for you to do if you feel safe to socially transition start the transitioning process that is probably the best thing you can do if you are comfortable talking to your parents and really educating them because a lot of non-trans people really don't know a lot about trans stuff i certainly didn't (laughs) and so you know you might have to educate them you might need to tell them hey puberty blockers are an option they are completely safe that's a question that we get asked a couple of times as well is are puberty blockers safe yes they are completely safe as medications go yeah very few side effects very few long-term effects especially if you realize that maybe you're not trans or they aren't the right step for you completely reversible so puberty blockers are a fantastic option for so many kids and it just takes a little bit of going to get that but 
socially transitioning is very good as well. And trying things that might work, trying to get feminine clothing from people who you trust, trying to express yourself. If you are really starting to get into your social transition, changing your name around people, asking them to call you a different name, correcting Mm. pronouns, things like that can really make you feel more euphoric in a way that is safe and doesn't necessarily need to involve parents. And now that we've had the opportunity to talk to a lot of trans kids, and all that advice is extremely important. And I also want to recognize being a middle schooler and a high schooler is <laughs> hard on every single person. Uh-huh. Like it, it, <laughs> Being trans on top of that, I realize, adds a whole nother layer of challenge, especially depending on the cultural environment that you're in and how people react. But I just want to say to you, if you are a 13-year-old or listening to this podcast, like it's going to get better. We always say that. And it's not just... We're not just saying that to placate you. It will. It absolutely will. Yes. You will both mature and the world around you will also become different. (laughs) And in those ways, things become easier. Different. And as long as we continue to keep pushing, keep fighting, which trans people, we are very good at. We are very good at pushing and fighting because that is what we've had to do our entire lives. It should get better. The world should get better for you. Yes. And it will get better. One Starting your transition is really hard. Continuing your transition is really hard in face of adversary. Oh my god. Adversity. But it does get better. So please, keep on fighting and know that there is a light at the end of the tunnel. There is happiness. There is a place for you. So just keep on fighting. So... Do you like to save money? I know I do. That's why I've started using Upside. Upside is an app that gives you cash back on your everyday purchases. I personally save up to 22 cents per gallon on gas, and there are deals for up to 30% back at restaurants. And if you use our offer code, you can save an additional 15 cents per gallon on your first gas purchase and support the transgender while you're at it. Just go to Upside.com to get the app and use offer code Cameron6349. 936. That's C A M E R O N 634936 to get 15 more cents off when you fill up your tank. Make your dollars go further with cashback from Upside. How do I talk to my parents about being trans or gender questioning? This is the most asked question I think we get. It, it, it is. It is. We get this question from people in their 50s. <laughs> yes. I'm not kidding. This is a problem. And this is it's a difficult hurdle for folks. It is a problem a little yeah. bit. Talking to your parents shouldn't be this hard, especially when you're trans. Actually, it shouldn't be this hard in general. <laughs> yes. It might be harder that when you're trans, but it shouldn't be difficult. But it is. And there, for a lot of reasons. Not just the least of which you are trying to come out to them about a major change in their lives regarding you, but also talking to your parents is just hard in general. You don't want to talk to your parents about sex. You don't want to talk to your parents about mistakes you've made, things like that. And not saying that being trans is as stigmatized or should be as stigmatized as sex is. On a side note, sex should not be as stigmatized as it is, but it is. And it, it's not doing something wrong or anything like that. In fact, being trans is being more honest and more open with yourself and the people around you. But it's all related. It's all based on these weird societal Puritan values, at least for us in the United States here and in this yes. crazy passive-aggressive Lutheran society that we <laughs> happen to be in. The awkwardness is purely from a puritanical Just like, it's not okay to talk about yourself. It's not okay to talk about your sexuality. Yeah, you keep all that. 
hidden away and (laughs) (laughs) you'll be just fine. And that's not the best way to do it. So how do I talk? How do you talk to your parents? It really depends. It really depends. I texted Cam when I was like 12. I talked to my birthing person and then ended up having to text her again as a reminder a couple months later when I really started my transition. And so it really depends on the situation and it really depends on how safe you feel and what you think their reaction is going to be. What I think is a better answer, though, to specifically answer this question is how do I start that conversation? And I think the best way to start it is to research and write out a script, notes, whatever you think you might need, because I guarantee you, people are going to have questions, and it shouldn't be your responsibility as a trans person to answer those questions, but it ultimately probably will be. So, doing your research beforehand and saying, hey, I'm trans, this is what that means, this is what I expect, this is things like that, is a really good starting place. And as long as everything is going smoothly and you feel safe, being able to field their questions directly and being like, hey... I understand everything that you said, or I have questions about what you said. Do you mind elaborating? Do you mind, I have this question about what pronoun do I use for you then? Or things like that. Like, those are all questions that you might get asked, and you probably will get asked. And teaching yourself to learn those responses naturally and to not be upset by them are things that I really advocate for. I always try and advocate for the fact that people, the majority of the time, do not misgender you do not dead name you out of disrespect they do it out of ignorance and human nature so being patient with people is something that i really advocate for of course it doesn't extend to disrespect nobody needs to deal with disrespect so please be careful of that as well but that's how i would say sorry to talk to your parents is do your research and go in there with patience and respect for everyone and if you listen back to our very first episode which talked about how anna and i first started (laughs) talking about this your parents I can't say how intelligent they are, but (laughs) I think a lot of parents probably start to recognize signs, and especially a parent who probably is more accepting is going to get a sense of what's going on. And so to you, parents, if you are feeling like, hey, I think my child is, and regardless, if there's a trans experience or just anything in your child's life, if you're getting a gut sense that something's going on, it can be up to you, too, to start asking some questions or to start trying to use some language or... I think showing at least that you are supportive is, yes. I think, where you're Opening going with the door. this. Yeah, because I will not be an advocate for go and ask your tri- like go and no, ask your kid that about is this. Absolutely not that what I'm saying. Are you trans? <laughs> but being able to be like, start if you're a parent who's hearing this. I was about to say watching or reading. That's not right. <laughs> yeah, if you're listening to this and you are a parent to a child who you suspect might be trans or queer or anything like that, start doing your own research and start saying, huh, I want to be supportive of my child. What are some ways that I can do that? There are so many resources out there to try and help people who are parents to queer kids. And honestly, just starting to use terms of, hey, I respect trans people or hey, did you hear about this really cool article that I read about this thing? I think you might be interested in it because I know that you like learning about liberalism or some whatever kind of... <laughs> I love a household that's like, we, here we love learning about liberalism here. I love it. Yeah, I totally know what you mean. It's part of the parent's responsibility as well to educate yourselves and to learn and to be patient with your trans person and let them come out when they feel ready and safe too as well. Absolutely. So on a related note, I think the biggest fear that people have is that their family is not going to be supportive of them. So what do we do if your family's not supportive? And I want to preface this too by saying, A, we hear a lot 
about trans yeah. kids who come out to their families and get kicked out of their houses or face abusive situations. And you expressed to me that even though we have the close relationship that we do, because that exists in the world and it's not uncommon, that's a fear that you had to approach our relationship with. Yeah, I have been pretty open about this and I think I will continue to be, but I have seen, even before I came out and started my transition with KM, friends who have suffered this. I have seen people who have committed suicide from situations like this. I have experienced so much loss and so much hate from the people who I trusted and who I loved because of their coming out. I really want to say it's like, those people meant so much to me and still mean so much to me and I'm getting choked up and teary-eyed just thinking about this because it, it means a lot that you're still here and that you're here and able to keep fighting. And please keep fighting. It is such an important piece because the more trans people there in the world, the better the world is going to be. Yeah, so we, please keep we fighting. We want you to exist. We want you to exist and we support you. About go families? into this with a plan, I think, is maybe yeah. where we'd go next because if you feel like your family is going to be transphobic or not supportive of you, the last thing that we want is for you to be in an unsafe situation. Yes. I am a huge advocate for blocking and completely blocking off people of your family who are terrible, mean, abusive, whatever. You know, that that is a huge philosophy that I am advocating for. It's really hard when it's parents, and it's really hard when you are very young. But it does get better, and you don't need to suffer forever. I know so many trans people who don't feel comfortable coming out because their family is very transphobic or homophobic or something. And there are ways to still experience euphoria and still be safe. And I highly recommend that you try and figure out what's going to be what's going to work for you and what makes you feel safe so that you don't get to a point where you're where the last breaking point is coming out and being unsafe or not coming out and being extremely unsafe. And I've reached that breaking point myself. That is what actually geared me to come, to be able to stay to cam. I'm starting my social transition now. Yeah. And, and it's not a fun place to be. It's excruciatingly difficult to be there. And so please try and doing everything you can to keep managing and keep making it through until you have a safe space, until you have a position where you can come out. And we always include in the episode descriptions for these podcast episodes a link to the Trans Lifeline. The Trevor Project is available for you. If you need someone to talk to immediately because of your circumstances, either yeah, someone else is putting you in an unsafe situation or you're feeling unsafe about your own actions, there are trained people out there with resources that can help you. And so please access those resources there. That's what they're there for. Additionally, having come from the EMS and 911 systems, those are available. I do have to just warn and preface that a lot of those systems are very archaic and not good to trans people in, in particular. So it is an option. And if worst case scenario, 911 will have your back and they yeah. will be able to support you. So please also keep that in mind. So to lighten up a little bit, <laughs> can I be considered trans if I haven't started my transition yet? Yes. Let's just get to a quick basic here. Just give me like two seconds. What do we mean by transition when we say that? That seems like such a broad topic. It really does. And I think what a lot of people are thinking of is like a medical transition. Right. Or even a social transition of I'm starting to wear more skirts or dresses or suits and ties or whatever. I'm not being congruent with my societal expectations of how my assigned sex is supposed to be. And you're trans from the moment you're born. You don't choose it. It's not something that you're like, oh, I'm going to wake up and I'm going to be a girl today. That's not how it works. It is something that is ingrained into your brain to be a thing. And so yeah, you're considered trans 
the minute that you recognize that you might be trans and start saying that you're trans. Doesn't matter how far your transition has gone, doesn't matter how few steps or how many steps you've taken. I was trans from when I was four years old. Yeah. So when Anna told me <laughs> when I grow up I want to be a girl. And I, I said, All right. <laughs> That's a new one. We were talking about potential jobs for the future, but this makes me think, too, for us to say, for those of you that might be new to listen, we do use the term trans as a very all-encompassing term because there are so many versions of the gender continuum that we want to include in our umbrella. If you're gender questioning, if you are non-binary, if you're two-spirited, and the list goes on and on. So when we say trans, we're really talking about anyone who is considering what their gender is really yes that's it, it can, and so that means you can be trans regardless of where you're at if you're questioning your gender welcome to the boat <laughs> yes i have had so many people who have come up to me and asked hey you're trans what does it mean to be trans <laughs> and it's not in a way that's aggressive it's a i don't know what the fuck i'm feeling how do I know if I'm trans or not? And to be honest, if you're feeling like things might be pointing towards that you might be trans, you're probably trans. If you're questioning that, like more likely than not, I have seen people who have questioned me in that way come out themselves a while later. Eventually, Yeah. You are trans from a very young age when your brain starts to get to that point of development. And there's a great portion of an episode where Anna flips the script for me and asks me (laughs) questions that as a cisgender man that people who are trans would be asked and it actually affirmed for us both that like I've never questioned my gender and I've actually really tried to embrace a style of masculinity that's my own but I'm I'm a I'm a cisgender man and there's not been a point and so that's the point is that there are some people who are cisgender and are perfectly happy with the sex and gender that they were assigned and that have lived (laughs) as the specs <laughs> but yeah the skill point values that they had assigned when they were born yep yep I, I, for me it was at high intelligence low dexterity that's <laughs> oh man so that actually leads to i think the last question that i'd love to tackle with you here and that is i think we all can feel euphoric it's something we've talked about a lot but in the trans experience, how can a person feel more euphoric? Live your experience. Live your truth is, I think, the simple answer. And I think the more complicated answer is it really depends. For me, that was when I was in eighth grade, I started wearing skirts to school every day. And I, when I was in elementary school, I'd have my friends do my makeup. And I know for my partner, something that made them feel a lot more euphoric is like wearing sport bras and dressing more masculinely. My partner was assigned female at birth. And so those are all things that make them feel euphoric. Things that make me feel euphoric even to this day are, what am I going to wear today? Am I going to wear leggings? Am I going to wear a dress? Am I going to wear a skirt? And that's euphoric to me. So there are so many ways to feel euphoric. And for cis people too, I want to say this as well. It is okay to feel euphoric about your gender. If you find a nice suit that you're like, this suits me so well, pun intended, that you can feel euphoric about That is totally okay. I know that Cam has shared a couple of examples on the podcast of times that he's felt euphoric too. And like, we just want to make sure that everybody is feeling euphoric and feeling good because when you're feeling good, people around you feel good. Yeah. And it, as cis people, cis people listening, it's part of our responsibility to find this language and to have an understanding of what that is. And some of that means it's okay to embrace being cis and it's okay to feel euphoric in being cis because that helps us better understand our trans loved ones 
and what euphoria means for them. And so it's given me a whole new perspective on my gender that <laughs> I think societally we don't think about. You just, you get your number and you got to clock in and out with it and that's it. And guess what? It's far more complicated than that. And we live and breathe it. We just need to be more intentional about it. I think that's something that a lot of cisgender people who have never experienced someone who is trans and very open about that experience. I think that those cisgender people are missing out on what the essence of life is. Because trans yeah. people know how to be happy. They need to make their own happiness. They need to figure out what makes them happy. And cisgender people, sometimes it's not as simple as that. Sometimes it is, I was assigned this gender and I am supposed to wear these things and I don't really like these things. I like these things over here, but these things are not like for me according to society. So I'm just not going to deal with them and I'm just going to be unhappy and where I'm at right now. It doesn't need to be that way. You right. can be happy. Pam, I know you have embraced like wearing eyeliner and doing your nails to go out and like party <laughs> more flamboyant totally. glasses things that feel good to me and still embrace my masculinity like all of those are okay cis people please embrace them because it helps all of us especially trans people but also your cis allies absolutely at the end of every episode we like to talk about agenda euphoria and we really like to do audience participation in this please send us your euphorias your questions whatever you would like to send us please do but we thought for season two, the beginning of season two, I should probably share some of my own euphoria. And I really wanted to talk about my surgery. I talked a little bit about it, but I cannot tell you all how amazing I have felt after surgery. It has been incredible. It, the simple things. Something that I always bring up now to like healthcare providers and people who ask is, I don't need to think in the morning about what I'm going to wear that day. It's simple now. I'm like, I want to wear leggings. I don't need to talk. I don't need to spend five minutes doing uncomfortable things to then spend the whole day uncomfortable. It's just, hey, I get to throw on leggings and I get to feel comfortable all day and I get to just experience my life. Just the vo joy in your voice talking about that <laughs> makes me so fucking happy. <laughs> it's, I, it's just so good. It's incredible. And the, yes, of course I have a vagina and I've got all that organ stuff and whatever, but it's not even about that for me, really. It's about the, I don't need to hide who I am anymore. I don't need yeah. to be uncomfortable. I can just live my truth, be who I am, and have the bits and pieces that I need. <laughs> If that makes sense. I have to tell a story quick that is related to this that I don't think you and I have even talked about off the air here. But the day after your surgery, <laughs> you were super high, super drugged up <laughs> with painkillers. And they'd rolled you into the room and you looked at your partner and said, am I a woman now? <laughs> And of course, their response was, sweetie, you've always been a woman, but you could just like, you, you did one of the hardest things you've ever done in your life, like physically hard. Yeah. And that was the only thing on your mind was like, this was the thing that I needed in order to find the euphoria that I needed to be happy. So I'm so proud of you. What a journey. What a journey. I'm getting cry. I'm getting teary at everyone. It has been the hardest thing I have done probably in my entire life. And I have never been happier because of it. Yeah. You did great. Keep healing. <laughs> Will do. I'm healing very well, everyone. Thank you for all your well wishes, by the way. Things are going great. The surgeon put in his notes that I have a beautiful result, and I just had a follow-up <laughs> not that long ago that said everything was healing perfectly and everything, so... I'm doing very well, everyone. Thank you for your support. That's really a, such a key thing for a doctor to look at your genitals and be like, <laughs> you have a beautiful result. <laughs> this was, it wasn't, I, didn't, I don't get to read any of his notes or anything like that either. It was my therapist who came into the session and was like, so without giving any patient information away or anything, I had to tell my colleagues, I was like, 
I have an appointment later with a person who the surgeon put in her note, the patient has a beautiful result. <laughs> and she was like, that's the first time I've ever had that. It's, and I really hope really that you feel quite the same sweet. way. <laughs> it really is. For such a difficult mo- emotionally, mentally, and physically, f- physical process, really sweet that he put that in there. So. Yeah. If you have questions about transitioning or supporting someone who is transitioning and you'd like us to talk about it on the show, please shoot an email to questions at transgenderpod.com. Click on the chat with us button on our website or DM us on social media. And if you'd like to support the show, you can join our Patreon. Be sure to check out our episode description on links to resources on today's topics. And thank you so much to the talented Eli Oberman for producing our new theme music and Frey Shaquama for editing. Thanks for listening. I've been Cam. I've been Anna. And this has been The Transgenda. Love you all, except the bigots.